Here the old gods are dead. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hi, uh, before this episode starts, I would like to give a quick trigger warning. Me and Liam, at the end of this episode, have a discussion concerning slavery. And there is a brief mention of rape via statistics. So just a heads up for that. Hi, uh, I'm Rebecca with Liam. Hi. And this is the PPB podcast, episode two. Uh, today we're going to be talking about the Gorbals Vampire. Uh, I just wanted to start off by saying thanks for everybody for listening to our first episode. Uh, we did actually manage to get to number 33 on the Spotify his- history chart. So thanks for that. Even though we had some like bad technical issues, we're simply too hot and sexy to kind of how we work mics. So. Sorry. But- I, mean, I never learned that in school when I was like being hot and fuckable. <laughs> <laughs> but we've been sent some tips. So we'll, uh, we'll hopefully be better this time. And I also wanted to say thanks to Emma Gray. She sent us a copy of her new book, Be Good to Your Mammy. I've not actually managed to give it to Liam for him to read because uh, I've been too busy holding yes, it. I know nothing about it. <laughs> um, <laughs> but it is a really good book and it was written in Scots and it really shows the complexities of like, family dynamics. And one of the main characters actually has OCD, which was it's really good to read about that being part of her character. So yeah, you actually probably have seen this on Waterstones or any other bookshop. It's doing quite well at the moment, but I would definitely pick it up. So thanks, Emma, for that. Um, so in this episode, we're going to be talking about the Gorbals Vampire. Kinda is a bit of a clickbait title because yeah, <laughs> the Gorbals Vampire. Yeah, not clickbait, but also clickbait. <laughs> <laughs> it's no that long a story. So Liam's going to cover that because he is. A native to Glasgow, not a native, but he lives there. Not a native. <laughs> not a native. An immigrant, but like from immigrant. <laughs> so like kind of counts. <laughs> so he's going to be talking about that. But before that, I'm going to talk about three other lower rent Scottish vampires. Um, I'm going to be talking about the Bovinchy, the Glamis vampire and the vampire in Melrose Abbey. So... Right, Liam, did you know the first person to come up with the word Nosferatu or vampire was actually a Scottish author for Airdrie? 
No. Okay, slate. Like, literally what hasn't Scotland invented at this point? Like, I will say this all day, every day. Like, where did we go wrong? Like, we do nothing now. <laughs> I mean, they fuck all. We, we got the check and bounced, but phones, <laughs> Twilight, <laughs> that was us. Um, but I, our name was Emily Gerrard, and she was Faye Airdrie. And our interest in Transylvanian folklore came from our husband, who was an Austro-Hungarian knight stationed in a small town in Transylvania. And our collection of oh. Transylvanian myths and legends are known to have influenced, once again name dropping here, Bram Stoker, who went on to write Dracula in 1897. Hey. How many times has he gone to appear in our episodes? Because that's two for two. Oh, well. We need to do his birth chart next. Like, <laughs> <laughs> should we pause and quickly Google? <laughs> no, no, leave it, leave it. Um, right. So, my first vampire, the Bivenchi. The Bivenchi is a fairy-like vampire that usually appears as a beautiful young woman wearing a long green dress. What me? <laughs> a long green dress that conceals <laughs> conceals her deer hooves. That she has instead of feet, and as soon as soon as I heard deer hooves, remember that gif that some tumbler looks like the wee deer that takes off his hooves, and then he's got like hands, <laughs> and it's got and it like does the little thing with its fingers. Yeah, as soon as I read that, um, I so like other vampires, she drinks the blood of humans and will vanish with the rising sun. She may also take on the form of a Scotch crow or a raven. There's numerous stories about the Bivenchi. Uh, or we had general theme uh, hunters or farmers being attacked in the wilderness at night. Kind of gives me, I'll, I'm going to go into like a couple of iterations of this story, but it gives me big Tam O'Shanter vibes because these guys are kind of misbehaving. Yeah. And then will ultimately suffer for that. The girlies are acting up. Yeah, yeah. And then it's ultimately women that are their downfall. So, in one story recorded by Scottish folklorist Donald Mackenzie, there were four men who were hunting and took shelter for the night in a lonely hut. One of the men um, supplied vocal music while the others were dancing. The men then expressed a desire for partners to dance with, and soon after that, four women then entered the hut. Four sexy ladies by the sounds of it, like Donald, no, McKen- <laughs> Donald McKenzie, like actually spends a wee while talking about how hot these women were. So I'm, I'm just, I'm just going to breeze out that, and we kind of, we kind of get it. <laughs> like they're vampires, so um, three of them danced whilst the fourth sat beside the vocalist, uh, and he don't know if he's like playing an instrument or something, but he starts to notice blood is falling for his companions, so he legs it basically, um, and as the the Bivin she that was like sat next to him starts to chase him, very much Tam Wachander. Um That is like this is literally the same plot, like. I'm seeing a lot of similarities here. I'm not accusing anyone of plagiarism. I'm just saying. <laughs> well, well, Robert Burns gets all his stuff with folklore, so I don't know who's copying who yeah. here. Um, yeah. All right, so he manages to run and take refuge among the horses outside, and the the vampire can't catch him, and she disappears when the sun comes up. Uh at daylight, he goes back into the hut and he finds that inside these three pals have been like murdered and drained of their blood. A similar story is told by Catherine Briggs, another folklorist, 
she suggests that the Bouvinci wasn't able to catch the fourth man when he was among the horses because iron is actually a traditional weakness yeah. of fairies. Uh, that's what, oh. so that's that's actually I googled this. I was like, is it actually uh, a weakness? That's the reason yeah. why people used to, and some people still do, put horseshoes above their doors. Uh, it's an easy way, yeah. it's an easy source of yeah. iron. Um, so they could use that to protect their homes from mischievous or malicious spirits. We will eventually do an episode on the fae and other Scottish fairies, like the whole like hierarchy of Scottish fairies, because there's loads and loads and loads. But I would maybe get it out of your head. There's a common misconception that fairies are like really nice and cute and hot and whatever, and Scottish fairies are arseholes. Like a majority of them yeah. are all really, like they just... I genuinely just can't. Yeah. <laughs> um, in another story, I think this is also told by Catherine Briggs, the hunters took refuge in a cave for the night in Syria Hut, like a sea cave kind of thing, maybe. Yeah. And each of them wished that his own sweetheart were there that night. But one of them, named McPhee, who was accompanied by by a black dog, said that he would have preferred his wife to remain at home and for somebody else to accompany him. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, I think I've heard this story before. I think I've seen this one before. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, I've heard something like this. Like, maybe this might be a popular scary story. If yeah. anybody cans, if anybody recognises this being, like, some kind of folktale that sounds similar to this, like, please, like, email us at thecreepyweepodcast at gmail.com and let me ken how you've heard it, because this feels very familiar. So yeah, this guy says that he would have preferred if any random woman walked into that cave at that very moment, as long as it wasn't his wife. And then, at that moment, <laughs> a group of young women enter the cave and the men who had wished for their sweethearts were killed. And then McPhee was actually pre- protected by his dog who drove the women away from the cave. So... Okay. The re- so men face no repercussions for being unfaithful, as usual. Yeah, no, this doesn't feel like a cautionary tale. Yeah, well, I have the caution here. So one of the reoccurring oh, okay. themes in these stories is that the Bouvinchy appear almost immediately after the hunters express their desire for female companionship. Obviously, this comes from a Scottish superstition that if you were to make a wish at night without also invoking God's protection, that the wish would then be granted in some terrible manner. Oh. We actually spoke about Tam O'Shanter like, before we recorded our first episode. It's an unreleased pilot that nobody's probably ever going to hear. <laughs> but is there no something in Tam O'Shanter where he says something in the pub and then like all hell breaks loose when he leaves because he's obviously he's like wished or desired something? Yeah. Well, Tam was bad anyway, but that that ringing some kind of bells in me. I've got a book of Scottish superstitions. I might go through that and see if that's in it. Yeah. We're going to do a Scottish superstitions episode at some point as well. We can do multiple ones of them because there's fucking hunters. But that's the Bivin She. So if you Google her, she's normally in. It's that kind of weird Celtic, modern Celtic art that you see if you Google Scottish like mythology and she kind of looks oh love and it's all like grey and white and red and then like green watercolour green dress ginger hair big tits (laughs) 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 so my second vampire is the vampire Glamis Castle and I don't know if you've heard of Glamis Castle before there's loads of stories surrounding this place Um, there's there's one the monster of Glamis Castle, which is, we will also do an episode on that at some point because this is on my list. I really like this story, but I yeah. didn't think that there's actually a, 
a, a spin on this story where it's a vampire instead of a monster. So there's two there's two iterations or two main accounts of this vampire. The first is that is that of a vampire child that was born into the family residing in the castle. Further legends state that within each generation, a vampire is born into the family who like lives there. So I googled it. The family that has held this seat since the 14th century is the Lyon family. L-Y-O-N. Now, Bows Lyon. Do you recognise that name? No. So, Bows Lyon is the family of the Queen Mother, which which would make... Which would make, for any conspiracy theorists out there who think the Queen's a fucking lizard, uh, (laughs) (laughs) So the the Queen Mother was born there and she grew up there. Uh, Princess Margaret was actually born there. So if we're gone by this <laughs> So if we're gone by this legend, um the Queen Mother could have been a vampire, Princess Margaret could have been a vampire, and Ur Liz could definitely be a vampire. <laughs> if you Google a picture of the Queen Mother uh, and look at her, her teeth or her eyes <laughs> Like, it wouldn't be that hard. It wouldn't be that hard. <laughs> it really would not be that hard to say that she was a vampire. I mean, um, yeah. And they did. Kind of like Prince Philip tease, though. Like, it was very Weekend at Bernie's situation towards the end. Like, anyone could have looked like a vampire in both of <laughs> uh, They look like Nosferatu like... kind of vampires. Like, no, <laughs> no less boob and she kind of sexy. <laughs> so, I, the, this legend has potential for the royal family actually being a clan of vampires. So, Stephanie Meyer, take notes. <laughs> that could be one of the clans. Um, so, the second telling of the Garmin's vampire is that of a servant woman who, a few hundred years ago, was found crouching over a body drinking the victim's blood. The penalty for this crime was that the servant was bricked up alive in a room within the castle wall. There's a few stories like this in relation to Glamis. Like I said, Glamis will definitely be a few episode one day, but there's always yeah. there's always this thing with Glamis Castle that there's a room in there that's sealed. Um, they can, There's a story like in the 1900s, they were trying to find out where the room was, so they covered, they covered all the windies and... Um, like bed sheets or something, like covered every single window in the house that they could, and then stood outside, and there was still like four sets of windows, like one room that they could they couldn't get to, and they they couldn't explain where it was. So it's like in oh in the walls. Aye, so either there's a monster in there, or there's a vampire in there, or Prince Andrew's in there, <laughs> or treasure. <laughs> Aye, the Holy Grail. All the other stuff that <laughs> the British royal family. All the other stole. stuff that they, yeah, like robbed. <laughs> <laughs> so my third, my third vampire. This is a bit longer. This story is the vampire in Melrose Abbey. Melrose is the Melrose Abbey's in. It's near the Scottish borders, basically. Um, so this is today where like monks. This is like Scottish, like. 1600s, 1700s, it doesn't actually have a specific date, but I think it's a few hundred years ago. This is our exorcist, basically. Okay, camp. Camp already. Camp by default. The vampire in Melrose, this story tells you how um, a group of monks actually saved the town from a dark spectre that had been plaguing the population for some time. 
uh, so the vampire Melrose during his lifetime was a chaplain to a lady who lived nearby in the town. The chaplain was actually he was a bit of a, a groovy a groovy monk, <laughs> and he was uh, fond of all manners of sin and vice. And he was actually oh, uh, when when he was alive, he was nicknamed the Hunter Priest, meaning dog priest. Um, this <laughs> I thought this might mean that he was okay. that he might have been um, like werewolf or something like that, but I did I did more oh. research and found out that it was a wide nickname that was getting him because his favourite thing today was um hunt with a pack of howling hounds behind him. Um oh. which is which was really inappropriate. So it was actually his colleagues that gave him that nickname. Like they really didn't like him and they called him the dog priest and so did everybody <laughs> in the town because they couldn't be arsed with him. But he did manage to maintain a professional relationship with a woman and was like her certified ordained chaplain. So yeah. um a fellow monk actually for the Abbey said this of his reputation. Other things he also loved that made not for sanctity, and when at last he died, his death was no more holy than his selfish, sensual life had been. Bad to the bone. <laughs> <laughs> every time, every time these like religious people try to like comment on somebody else being cool, it just makes them sound even better. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, <laughs> like, how many people are we going to excuse on this podcast because they sound cool? Uh, literally, like, any bad behaviour, I'm like, nah, what am I doing? <laughs> We've all been there. <laughs> so, uh, the chaplain eventually dies. I'm assuming that he would die quite young if he was... I mean, like, priests and stuff are allowed to drink, but if he was um, if he was big into sin, he was probably one of the alcoholic priests, I would guess. You can how you get different types. Some of them really like yeah. that wine, so he's probably one of them. Dies he di- he dies relatively young anyway. So when he died, it said that he paid the price for his sins and that his soul couldn't find peace, and that his ghastly form stalked the streets at night in search of blood, terrifying the locals. Um, yeah, it was said that he tried to enter Mel- Melrose Abbey in the dark night in the form the, the form of a winged bat. And then, like, he couldn't get in, so it was kind of like, I don't know if it was, like, the holiness of the area or whatever that meant that he couldn't get in. Um, But he would basically, like, imagine, like, a bat flying at a wall and then kind of dancing out of it. And then when he (laughs) he hits the ground, he's, like, back in his, like, vampiric form, like, lying on the ground. (laughs) Um, But it sounds like he's a zombie, basically. Is yeah. For the readings I went through, it's the, I don't know if it, this is like what all the depictions of vampires were like, where it's like can even oh even like in um the the first half of Dracula, where Dracula's like moving around really slowly and crawling up the walls and stuff like that, but he's no like he doesn't look young. He looks like total shit. Um, he looks yeah. he looks dead and stuff. It might be like that kind of old view a vampire before like they were like super powerful and stuff like that so he's kind of like roaming around skulking about looking looking really scary like what you would think like frankenstein's monster looked like kind of like yelly yelly skin um like lips peeled back you can see all his teeth and stuff so when he was trying to like enter the abbey the monks then started to like pray and like put rituals 
on like against him and it, it was able to like drive him away to the abbey um mm. so then and because he can't get into the abbey anymore he continues to roam around the town at night and he goes back to the woman who hired him goes to her house and was like skulking around the grounds of her cottage um and it was yeah. reported by neighbors that they, like they could see him like it's actually like documented that there was like some kind of specter like in her garden like moaning and like banging on the windies and stuff like that and she was screaming inside and they can how she couldn't she couldn't get it maybe she was so terrified that she just wouldn't leave and <laughs> yeah who's to say because <laughs> i don't know what i would do in that situation yeah so yeah, I'd probably lock the doors and then go like cry in a corner somewhere. <laughs> well, shaking. well, anytime somebody tries to run in a scary film, it doesn't really work out. Like, in first five minutes they scream, she tries to run. <laughs> <laughs> so, anyway, oh, no, I don't think. Falling and I can't get up. <laughs> I don't think she, this woman actually um, ends up dying or anything. She seems to like get through this unscathed. There's no reports of her death. The monks. Um, are getting really tired of this the people at the time are like using to help us like use have to like perform some kind of i don't know if exorcisms were a thing in these times they become they became really yeah. really really fucking popular um in the 1800s and then obviously in the uh, bigger than the beatles uh, and then when yeah. um when the exorcists came out the catholic church really took that and ran with it <laughs> we're doing exorcisms <laughs> constantly um so the people at the time are getting really pissed off and the monks um, they send a like senior monk out and then four other monks. So there's a group, there's a group of five monks. Uh, they visit the dead chaplain's grave, uh, where they sat until night came, and then that night the the vampire appeared like before them and he's like actual scary vampire form zombie form like basically hovering above the ground as if he had just risen through the earth and like pushed the heat stone like to the side. Um, and then one of the monks began the Lord's Prayer and the chaplain retreated and went back into the earth. And then it was like nothing had even happened. Like the earth hadn't been touched. The tombstone was back where it should have been. And uh, all that for prayer, that's quite... Yeah. That's quite... That's powerful mm, mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Almost as if nothing had happened at all. Uh, <laughs> you're, on, you're on the same thought as me. <laughs> when, I, when I wrap up, you'll, you'll realise... <laughs> so, Kenan that they were dealing with a, a proper vampire, the monks waited until daybreak and then began to dig the grave up. Inside, they found the chaplain grinning with bloody lips. <laughs> uh, so, they removed the body, drove a stake through its heart, I assume, uh, burned it, and then spread the ashes across the Scottish borders. So, uh-huh. as much as I want this spooky, scary story to be true... Um, it does very much remind me of The Exorcist, like or any yeah. or any other horror film. Like Ken, uh, is it Insidious? Every made up story. Yeah, is it Insidious? Yeah. the one the, like these films that are like actually funded by the Catholic Church. Like you can look that up. Like they're actually like uh, part of the propaganda uh, machine. The Conjuring. The, the Conjuring, Conjuring. That's what I'm thinking. Yeah. The Conjuring. Yeah. I the, so that's. So, like, the monks, the Melrose probably made this up so that they could, one, deter people from sinning, and two, make the church look powerful as fuck and scare the locals into going to church and giving them money. That's what I think. Yeah. And know every single story that we do, I'm going to try and dispel stuff because the Glamis vampire and the Bivinchi, I like the ones, and they might just be yeah. that they explain the unexplainable, like, 
and or just to scare people like why these stories have been made up but like this Melrose Abbey yeah. one stinks to high heaven it really just propaganda yeah, <laughs> like it really shit. does you know <laughs> so um I actually have a question for you yes um do you believe in vampires? Like, I love the ooky spooky and I believe in many things, but I just, I don't see it for me. I don't see it. Like, I think. I just feel like they're kind of like. not a thing, you know? I think, like, Bella Swan montage, you mentioned she's Googling all the different cultures and all the different kinds of vampires <laughs> and stuff. Like, even. I don't know, because every single True. culture has a story about vampires. Yeah. And it's not just Transylvania and yeah, it's not and just it's not, Celtic vampires yeah. and stuff like that. Like, there's stuff in South America, there's stuff in all the different countries and cultures. Yeah, it's in not Africa. even just Indo-European, it's like yeah. cross-continent. That's like when, like, every culture around the world has a dragon. And different kinds of dragons as well. fire breathing yeah. dragons, air dragons, water dragons, like that sort of stuff. And, like, how are we all coming up with these different but similar things I don't know I I want them to be real badly because if there's any vampires out there one. I want to be one <laughs> email us at the creepy week <laughs> if you bite us we can do this podcast forever <laughs> I, I do I do I think in some level um, this is me cancelling myself by thinking by saying that I think vampires are real but I don't know. There's some stuff that I just want to be true because there's so much. There's so much. So many different stories. No, you've literally just convinced me. Like in thirty seconds of time, you've like got me from a non-believer to like, fuck yeah, they exist. Like <laughs> my energy is one. unmatched. <laughs> Managing to convince people into <laughs> bullshit like this. No, I do. I do, and I think fairies and stuff are real as well. So. <laughs> oh, I think they're real. I definitely. I love a fairy. Well, what did you just call me? <laughs> <laughs> when you were like Scottish fairies are our souls, I was like, I mean, you didn't have to come for me like that, but okay. <laughs> I mean, Interpol, I've seen them all, you know. <laughs> we genuinely just doing this podcast for ourselves. <laughs> anyway, yeah, so much. I'm gonna do my sources for this. One. So for the Bivenshi, I actually went through Scottish Folklore and Folklife by Donald Mackenzie, The Fairies in Tradition and Literature by Catherine Briggs, Wikipedia, <laughs> of course. By the way, I donated <laughs> to Wikipedia this week This week because when I went to do my research, I asked and I, I was like, no, I'm actually doing this for a living now, so I better pay. So if you can donate... Uh, you can donate a minimum of £2 to Wikipedia. I think it's really important, to be honest, that knowledge should be free. Yeah, it's such a good resource. Like, I don't know why schools tell you for, like, your whole life that they're not good. Like, literally, I got through my entire undergrad with Wikipedia and YouTube. Like, they are so worth it. When you go onto Wikipedia and you do research, it obviously has citations, and then you can get a mere yeah. in-depth look to stuff. So when folk are like, do you believe everything you read on Wikipedia? I'm like, no, do, because it's actually cited. Like, obviously yeah. people can go in and change stuff, but there's moderators on Wikipedia that work really hard. Anyway, <laughs> donate. <laughs> and then the... Wikipedia sponsors, please. <laughs> please sponsor us. They sent me a really nice, thanky email. Um, <laughs> maybe I should Aww. respond. <laughs> um, and the rest of my stuff came... The, the glamorous vampire stuff came through the Prince Michael Chronicles. I believe that's some kind of, like, royal family website. Anyway. <laughs> so um, we'll... Yeah. 
take a wee break and then Liam will come back and talk about the Gorbals vampire. So, Liam, tell me about the Gorbals Vampire, because I know nothing. So, the Gorbals Vampire, as the name would imply, is a vampire native to the Glasgow Gorbals. Um, so, I'll just... <laughs> wow. So I'll just give a... <laughs> Journalism. <laughs> yeah, I'm not a journalist, I'm just pretty. But... Um, so, the Gorbals are a residential neighbourhood in the south side of Glasgow with like a really rich history of like having like a strong sense of community um and they just grew rapidly like throughout the 19th and 20th century um with an influx of like immigrants from like Ireland and mainland Europe who came to work in like all of the like Scottish like labor industries like we we really have a lot Shit of those um, steel yards yeah this is yeah, t- exactly. this is like tenements and stuff. Like they threw up tenements like really fast for these people. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. Not yeah, great, so the lo- not great living conditions. Yeah, so the tenements in the twentieth century. That's what I'm going to get into. Mm-hmm. They were like they got to a point of crowding where it was like a whole like could be like six person family would be in like one room and like from what's left of these sort of like tenement style flats. Like there's not a lot of tenements left because a lot of them got replaced. Um, with like high rises um but like they they aren't huge like they're like tall rooms but they're not huge yeah um you just kind of like literally like these places were like diseased like cholera type of the rest yeah so and yeah and that wasn't really the fault of the people like emigrating to their or whatever, like, the people living there, like, that was the fault of the landlords who were kept unchecked for decades. For decades? Try centuries, baby. Centuries. I mean, still to this day, like, if you go to, like, any student flat, you're like, why are there exposed cables everywhere? Like, it's just, like, do we need landlords? Should we get rid of them? Discuss. It's not a discussion. The answer is, no, we don't really need them, and yes, get rid of them, but that's a story for, like, someone else's podcast, I guess. (laughs) Um, but due to like the crowded communal nature of these like communities, um, uh, like any rumor that went around would spread like wildfire. So you can imagine that, uh, kids hearing about some sort of vampire would just escalate to a point of insanity very, very fast. Mm-hmm. So in the 1950s, a rumor spread that, um, Two neighborhood boys had been killed by a vampire. Did, did anyone? Did anyone actually die? No, no one died. No one died at Stonewall. This is um, calm. This is calm. <laughs> this is calm. <laughs> um, yeah, no one died. It was like there's no records of two boys dying around this time. Does this this kind of thing used to happen like when I was wee? Like I lived in like a. Any like rougher area and uh, like the amount of shit that we just made up and like fully believed. Like even the person who was making it up was like in 
we were we were in deep with all the crap that we made up. Yeah. And we'd literally yeah, scare no. ourselves shitless. No, there was literally a boy in my primary school that on the playground was like, I'm a vampire. And everyone was like, oh my God, bite me. <laughs> like, we were like six years old. I was like... Mm, there no, was a lassie at my sorry. high school who like, told everybody she was a vampire and she like fully believed it. And good for her. I still see her every now and again. And I'm like, remember when she told everybody she was a vampire? Believe women. What if she is? What if, what, uh, like, believe genu- women. Genuinely, like, she believed it that hard that, like, I was kind of like, mm, well, I'm not going to argue. True. Like, I'm not going to argue. Like, it might be. <laughs> when you went into the, like, biology classroom, did she, like, cover her mouth and, like, move uncomfortably? Like, yeah. Oh, my God. I mean, character energy. She was on there, Bella Swan shit. It was, like, she was, she was nice, though. She was really, really nice. And I was like, if she is really a vampire, you are all getting bit and killed, and I'm yeah. maybe going to join her clan. So, yeah. No, it's always those girls that are really nice. Uh, if she ever, if she ever hears us, she can she can who she is. <laughs> she's she's a really <laughs> lovely person, and it was horrible what people were like about her saying that she was a vampire. <laughs> anyway, back to Gorbals. <laughs> oh yeah, we actually have a point to this podcast. Um, <laughs> yeah, so the the vampire was rumored to live in Glasgow's southern necropolis. So Glasgow has four necropolis necropolis. Ne- necropol necropolis batman like- lives in one a vampire lives in another <laughs> <laughs> if you didn't can uh, there's a new batman film being filmed in glasgow and they did a bit yeah, of the northern no. necropolis was it or was it the south one uh well it's not really called and i guess it is the northern one but it's more in the west end i guess oh, is it? no the east end east end even well, I'm lying. People from Glasgow do not attack me. I just don't know my East and West, okay? I didn't go to school for East and West. <laughs> I don't have a compass. <laughs> um, I do have a moral compass, though, because I'm quite um, respectable. <laughs> yeah, but, like, the the big the big main one was where Batman was filmed. Thank you for that. Um, yeah, but I love how melodramatic that name is, like City of the Dead, pretty much. Like, Is that what that it's called? Term. Yeah, Necropolis. Oh, is that what that means? I think so, like it's Metropolis, but for dead people. <gasps> oh, wow. Susie Dent etymology there, I did not know that. Thank you for that. I am that's the Susie a, Dent of that's a very. That's <laughs> a very good fact, thank you. I don't know yeah, why that never clicked no. for me. I'm. I could fully be lying, but I think I'm telling the truth. <laughs> I ain't right. right. Sources are believe women. Um, yeah. So there's north, west, east, south, but like some of them are called different names now. Mm-hmm. Anyway, they're all like really Victorian era big camp graveyards with Haunted like mansion. yeah, big mausoleums full Dracula tee hee hee. Um, but, like, I genuinely think anyone who comes to visit Glasgow genuinely go to any of these um, cemeteries because they are really, really stunning views. The The main one that Becca was talking about where Batman was being filmed, um, the view from the top is, like, a really good place for us now. Like, it's just... I you was get to just going to say, uh, but I've got pals in Glasgow who go and smoke there. Yeah. You know who you are. <laughs> <laughs> Dream. Glasgow City Council are coming to get you. <laughs> We've just, oh my god, are we not? Because now I know we've climbed on so many so people. Sorry. We, the, the grass podcast now. <laughs> <laughs> We're cancelled for being grasses. Anyway, garbles, get back on topic. <laughs> sorry, um, ADHD. Um, yeah. So apparently, according to one of the boys that was there, 
Um, the rumours started on the playground, which we're not really surprised by. But on the night, the night of the 23rd of September in 1954, about 400 children from the neighbourhood descended upon the necropolis with like, <laughs> like stakes and knives. And <laughs> apparently one boy brought his auntie because everyone was scared of her. <laughs> just <laughs> one auntie so chaperoning 400 children who were all armed. Just one Karen. Just <laughs> <laughs> Speaking to the manager vampire. But yeah, the vampire was described as being seven foot tall with iron teeth and blood red eyes. So he wasn't a vegetarian vampire. He did eat humans because he had red eyes, not gold eyes like Edward. So it is a, it is a male vampire then? Well, this is the thing. I'm saying he because a lot of people say he and there's a, a graffiti of a graffito. A gra- just say talk. Um, a mural. Yeah, there's a, a mural. <laughs> of the vampire where it's a man but like vampire is a gender neutral term and i've never heard any of the sources say he they just said it you, so the like, murals were in like kind of like a or a cult number and kind of has like yeah like kind of androgynous hair like so Jay i'm gonna the in betweeners i'm gonna yeah i'm saying they <laughs> they 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 but like they never found anything in the graveyard except trauma because like so there was a nearby steelworks that had like a red glow coming from it so they would it would mm. cast shadows from the trees and the graves so everything everything they turned to look at was vampire like um and they were all sure. bits off each other they would have been terrified yeah but like imagine the, atmosphere. imagine the atmosphere oh the adrenaline yeah. would have been flowing i would have loved that when i was younger yeah old firm when like <laughs> you know <laughs> the culture yeah but like this this continued even though they found nothing this continued for like the next couple nights like the police literally could not stop these children oh my god the police being incompetent <laughs> we're shocked um, um, police no way <laughs> <laughs> not much has changed in the past 70 years but um <laughs> anyway um yeah eventually on the 26th of august though uh, so like three days later there was um, an article in the Sunday Mail on page three um, that just stated vampire with iron teeth is dead. <laughs> like this thing made like national news. Like it was huge. Like, so the, the, um, the papers were trying to convince, were trying to calm it down by saying that the vampire was dead. It seems that way. I read the article. And That's not really like a good idea like, though. Yeah, it, but also kind of like 1984, Big Brother, Teehee's government controlling you with the news. I like, <laughs> like lying we're, we're to shut, you. We're shutting like, this down. <laughs> yeah, because like part of me is like, that's really clever. But another part of me is like, well, that's proof that the news lies to you just to calm you down. Because like, obviously the vampire, if the news, if the news person didn't believe the vampire was dead then He's, they literally did they, just lie. They potentially put, like, children in harm's way if there was actually really a vampire, so not actually putting that down for any press reward or award or anything yeah. like that. Misleading the public. Yeah. That's no Charles Bannerman super Cali globalistic atrocious. That's not winning no prizes, like, <laughs> you know? <laughs> that is actually, like, as much as I know this man and we have actually we don't have beef but like he just was kind of annoying and old um but like that's a good title 
Yeah, that that we when I studied journalism, like that um, headline and that journalist got brought up, like first lesson, first day when we were writing, like this is how you should do a headline. That's the example given for the most famous Scottish headlining all time, Super Cali Globalist. Yeah, it's like crack. It is a really, really good headline. Oh. As much as it's I, kind as of... much as I hate to say. <laughs> Yeah, it's kind of cringy that he kept it up in his room for the next decade because like when I was in school I was like this happened literally 10 years ago like get over it <laughs> oh well um yeah so back to the vampire um you're getting all the like inside gossip on Charles Bowman like so many digressions in this episode um yeah so many people actually attributed the rumor of the vampire to be Influenced by American comic books of the time, which did have an iron-toothed vampire, like admittedly, and this, like the issue they're talking about, though, was published what, what's a the year book, before this. What's the comic book called again? Tales from the Crypt. Is that what it is? Yeah, they've had, they've had, they've got many moral panics under their belt. Tales from the Crypt, like they, they cause similar kind of, um, like tensions and stuff amongst children in America. I'm pretty sure. Like, I think this actually led to yeah. there being, like, actual, like, filters and stuff put on comic books. Like, this actually led to no, legislation. No, it did. No, it, it did lead to legislation. I will get into this because um, a Scotsman article actually stated that um, an unlikely alliance of Christians, communists, and the National Union of Teachers blamed imported American <laughs> horror, horror comic books for the mass hysteria. And I'm like, I just don't think these people should ever unite like you can't be a teacher and a communist. You also can't be a Christian and a communist. Like you know, oh I God, don't think that's, that's a hot take. I don't think that's a hot take. But I think we were all thinking it, and I just said it. Um, yeah. But it's yeah, it's just not part of God's plan for me. Um, how do you feel about God, <laughs> Leo? <laughs> You're getting us cancelled. I'm cutting that bit. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, this literally changed laws and the Labour MP, and when I tell you her name, you're going to lose it. You are going to lose it. The Labour MP, Alice Cullen. <gasps> I shit you not, Alice Cullen. She was a Scottish Labour Party member for Glasgow Gorbals and she was also the first Roman Catholic female member of Parliament camp. And her name is Alice Cullen, like vampires. No, when I was reading it, I was like, that can't be true. And then I googled Alice Cullen MP and she's real. She's real. Anyway, she got she brought about um, this ban, like a legislative ban that banned young persons from harmful publications. The act of 1955 banning repulsive or horrible media being sold to children, i.e. American comic books. So although that could be true... It's probably more likely that it came from, an, like, the rumour of the vampire or the similarities of the vampire came from another piece of Scottish folklore, and that is Jenny with the Iron Teeth. Jenny with the Iron Teeth. Yes, before Jenny with, before Becky with the good hair, there was Jenny with the Iron Teeth. Um, yeah, who was basically, like, fembot boogeyman. Like, she would, like, if you were, like, not in your bed at night, she would come to your... This is the thing. Scottish grannies are so evil. Are you going to, <laughs> like, are you so... going to talk about the Jaggy Jersey home? 
No. Did you never get told about this? The, the Jenny with the iron teeth, like her coming at your room at night if you misbehave and stuff like that. Yeah. When I was younger, we got told if you were being a brat or if you were misbehaving that they, that a man would come and he would take you to the Jaggy Jersey home. That I don't know if that's a fake oh. thing. People comment, email us if you got told to go to the Jaggy Jersey home because it scared me shitless. And it, obviously, I don't know if it's yeah. you wear like jumpers with like fucking knives or glass in them, or if it's just itchy jumpers. Don't know, but it seemed grim. Like, like it terrified me, mm. and that's the idea behind it, and probably the same idea that children always get told to get yeah. shit like this, and it's so fucked up. <laughs> I don't, I don't kind of they get told stuff like this now, but no, my granny literally told me that there was like a Dalek at the top of her stairs, so that if I left my bedroom at night, it would like get me. <laughs> So, but then she didn't realise that I would be so traumatised by this that then when I was at her house during the day and we were downstairs, her toilet was upstairs. I would not travel upstairs to the toilet. I would get that UTI life about me. Like, I would not pee at her house for, like, a decade. <laughs> like, I feel like I was probably... I yeah, I feel like I was probably like eleven before I went up on my own. <laughs> like, you were scared of Daleks. Wow. <laughs> yeah, they. Well, I wouldn't have been scared of like the old ones, but like you know, like the like modern ones. They're the they ones can, like, that fly and stuff. Right? <laughs> yeah, and also they took out like where the, the tangents on this podcast. I'm just I'm not gonna do it anymore. <laughs> um, Go back to Jenny yeah, with the, iron teeth. <laughs> yeah, Jenny with it. Iron Teeth. Um, there's actually a really good Alexander Anderson poem, which um, is written in Scots, but I'm sure if you Google it, you can find like an English translation if you don't speak Scots. Basically, it's a, a big woman with iron teeth that bites you, eats you, drags you away if you aren't in your bed at night. That's fucking which horrible. Is camp. <laughs> yeah, it's camp, though. <laughs> but yeah, but... Yeah, so she was said to roam Glasgow Green, which isn't that far from the Gorgles. She's actually headlining Transmit. (laughs) (laughs) Um, um, Insert, like, Amy McDonald joke or whatever. (laughs) (laughs) Michelle McMahon. (laughs) (laughs) we're gonna have to edit out the laughing um um but like this is not the first time iron teeth monsters have actually been described like even jenny with iron teeth not the first time so there's actually an a myth about a creature called the Aban Basam, which is a vampire-like creature with iron teeth and bloodshot eyes, long legs, and feet that point in the way. And I thought the feet that point in the way is, like, cute, because it's, like, you know, like, cute GF vibes, fingers pointing together, feet in the way. Um, <laughs> which is, when you think about it, very similar to the Gorbals vampire. Mm-hmm. And this is a myth of the Akan people of, like, Ghana and Cote d'Ivoire. But um, this was also a myth later found in enslaved Akan people in 18th century Jamaica. And when you think about how that came about, that's a lot of the blame of that is to do with like 
Buchanan and like the Scottish people. Scotland's hands are very, very, very bloody in slavery. Like our history in Jamaica is horrific. Yeah. Like I think Scotland Scotland and Canada have a very yeah. good way like trying to like just put the blame on the English when it comes to slavery and stuff. And we Yeah, uh, the English and the, the Americans. Like one third of the surnames in Jamaica are Scottish through rape during the slave trade. Like that, that, yeah, that's that's That's, our history. That's That's why their flag is the way that it is. It's like it's Saint Andrew, just like Saltire. Like that's like their culture. There is Scottish, and it's not by choice at all. Yeah, I'm not saying that the whole culture of Jamaica is Scottish. That's not what I mean. I'm just saying that like the things that are there that's relevant. Everything that is Scottish. Yeah, it's it's not like yeah, it's. I mean, yeah. if, if we do decide today, we would probably have an expert on um, to talk about what happened in Jamaica. But it's it's actually yeah, really really, te- really terrible. Like, yeah. But that that does make yeah. sense that how that story would be able to travel from Jamaica back to Glasgow. Yeah, because because Scott, like literally Buchanan Street, is named after the guy that was like, I don't know, like the president i guess of jamaica but like obviously an enslaved jamaica by the uk he was scottish like what's his name what's his first name something buchanan but that's another point to bring up like a lot of scottish street names still celebrate these people which they probably should not actually not probably they definitely should not the fact that like nelson mandela is like is it nelson mandela street or road it's just next nelson to Buch- mandela place nelson mandela place is like Right off Buchanan Street, like where's the, where's the self awareness, Glasgow City Council? Yeah, where is like, the self awareness? <laughs> yeah, I feel like we all need to like like Scottish people have this thing where it's like I don't actively think racistly, so nothing about this country is racist, which is not true. This, this country is not... very racist, very bigoted, very sectarian. Yeah, um, yeah. The the, there is actually a change.org petition to change this. You've probably seen it last year during a lot of the Black Lives Matter protesting. Um, it needs 30,000 signatures. There's about 2,700 uh, signatures yeah. to change the street names in Glasgow. Probably here, look at the street names in Edinburgh as well. There's probably a few. There's probably buildings as well. Literally that are named, in Scotland. Yeah, named after slavers. Uh, or stuff to do with the slave trade. So yeah. take a look at that. If you Google a Glasgow Street Name Petition, it'll come up and you can sign it. Um, yeah. Not least, that least we could do, really like, literally, on seriously, but it's something. Yeah, it's literally know? the bare minimum in terms of reparations, but yeah, it would, be, it would be a move in the right direction rather than no doing anything. Like, fuck yeah. the statues, fuck the street names. Yeah. Um... Anyway, well, we got we got into it there for a second, girlies, but <laughs> it, needs it was necessary. To be said. It needs to be said. It needs. Someone uh, had to say it. Yeah. Uh, um. Yeah. So Scotland contributing in large to, in, like slavery in Jamaica could have actually led to this root of this mythology actually coming back to Scotland. So all the Labour MPs blaming America on that. I was like, maybe look inwards at Westminster. Like, oh my god. Westminster being the problem, we are shocked again. Yeah, that that whole, that yeah. even that though, like even the like, oh, it's the the American comics 
problems like that know that these children were like living in poverty and were really fucking yeah. bored and had nothing to do so they created their own literally their own like either they've created like an imaginary myth that they've come up with on their own or a, a piece of folklore for a country that we enslaved has ended up back here and it scared people shitless and then created a moral panic but like we'll blame comic books and we'll blame america we will only blame ourselves yeah it's really sweeping things under your rug <laughs> whatever <laughs> yeah um yeah also yeah because like 400 children would not have found out about that so fast from one playground conversation had there not been such overcrowding problems in the globals yes you're right with that like it's just yeah yeah enough said like that's on there and then back to the point at hand though being uh vampires with iron teeth or monsters with iron teeth like it's also just a very instinctive thing like, it's just a very, like, it comes up literally in the Bible. What? Like, vampires with iron, iron teeth? No, well, there's a monster with iron teeth, but, like, in Daniel 7-7, seven, seven, the fourth beast is said to be a dreadful, extremely strong monster with iron teeth. Oh, wow. So the Christians and the Labour Party both all pointing fingers to America here, but, like, <laughs> point those fingers back. Is it, like... The call is coming from inside the house. Like, if it was, what if it was you? What if it was you? Um, there's loads of stuff in media and that that have like iron teeth that are just so scary. That there's a the guy in uh, the old James Bond films, Jaws. He has a big set of like steel or iron teeth. Aye, there was one of the old camp James Bond films, yeah. but like he was scary. Like that imagery from the game metal teeth. The spy who loved me in Moonraker. Um, yeah, so that's all I had to say on the Gorbals Vampire. Um, again, I don't really know whether or not it's real, but we could do a little Instagram live or a little a little moment in the third side Necropolis if it's still there. I'm pretty sure it's still there because you can't move a cemetery, surely. But it must still be there. I just have never been. The whole thing... A bit like where it's came from and stuff like that's really interesting. I genuinely believe yeah. it probably came to Jamaica. And even if it is came for that comic book, yeah. then where did that comic book get that idea came out? I mean, like it seems yeah. like it's either, either way, it's came to that piece of mythology for that, that certain. Well, genuinely, because like red, red eyes, iron teeth, tall. Yeah. Like, it's all. Stuff. Uh, yeah. That was really good though, Liam. I actually, well, I can't remember than I thought of it. I know, am I a journalist yeah. now? Yes. Did I throw? Yes, yes, that's you got a diploma, babe. <laughs> well done. <laughs> yeah. Um, so my sources, I just need to say them before I forget yeah. to do it. Um, so not Tumblr this time, guys. Not Tumblr, <laughs> Who else here was shocked? Me too. I missed um, it. So there was a, I actually did use a blog though. Um, so David Castle and Serpent's Pen blog, it actually like looks like a very well-run mythology blog, but... Maybe don't go always there because they might run us out of business. So, <laughs> um, but yeah, it's a really he wrote the article in a really fun way. It yeah. was an an enjoyable read. Um, also, a Scotsman article by Chris McCall. I got all of my information. Well, not all of my information. I got a lot of information about the Gorbals. I also watched a YouTube documentary. I can't remember what it's called because I forgot to write it down. But there's if you just type in. Glasgow Gorbals history. There's a really good like half hour long YouTube documentary on the Gorbals and it's really interesting to see how it how it like it's I think it was called the Gorbals Rise and Fall because it was literally mm-hmm. about how it became so overcrowded 
turned to tenements and then they came down. I also read an article called Hunt for the Gorbals Vampire by Jonathan Brocklebank. Mm-hmm. But anyway, my whole takeaway from this is that vampire is a gender neutral term and justice for Jenny. Hashtag justice for Jenny. Jenny with the iron <laughs> teeth. Um, because I feel like she doesn't get enough credit for who she was. I saw like, a bit of the that she did. Never about why she was there. Never about the friends she made along the way. You know? <laughs> <laughs> That's the second time we've done that. <laughs> you did that in the first episode as well. Yeah, and I'll do it again. And I'll do it again. Um, but, yeah. No, I think we should have, like, an origin story on her. Like, yeah. I think Hollywood, if you're listening, which you are, because who isn't listening to this podcast, <laughs> um, definitely make a film about her, because, like, if you can do The Candyman, like, 20 times, you can do this once, you know? It would be good to see, like, in a film, like, all the children, like banding together night on night <laughs> to try and fight a vampire yeah. like wee wee germs that would be quite cool oh that would be a cute little friendship movie but i also would like one where the vampire is real yeah and eat someone <laughs> <laughs> right that's us so if you have any information on anything that we've spoke about you can email us uh, the at the creepybpodcast at gmail.com um, maybe add like something in the title like story or like listener mail or something like that so I can actually separate it for all the bills that I pay to on this podcast <laughs> <laughs> um, and follow us on Twitter at the creepy pod and follow us on Instagram at the creepy podcast thank you Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.